your loving like radiant diamonds bursting inside us we cannot contain no your love will surely come find us like blazing wildfire singing your name God of mercy, sweet love of mine, I have surrendered to your desire. Your love is like radiant diamonds bursting inside us. We cannot contain them. Your love will, yes, Lord, surely come find us like blazing wildfire. Sing in your God of mercy, sweet love of mine, I have surrendered to your desire. Made this offering, touch across the sky, these hallelujah, pre-mortal Oh, doesn't it feel good to sing a song like that? I surrender to you this morning. Amen. So that's a valve clear. We have no more excuses going forward here this morning. We are ready. We're positioned correctly. Our posture is right with him. So let's just join in worship this morning. Amen. Lord, we give you this time. Lord, we, we commit this time to you. We submit to you this morning. God, we invite your presence. God, as we worship you, that we would just be... Uh, plowed up, God. Some of this dry ground would just be plowed up and anointed with fresh new water here, Lord, which is your Holy Spirit. Be with us, Lord. We know that we can't do this without you. So we want you, Lord, this morning to be our audience. Um, God, we, we give this time to you. We pray as we worship, Holy Spirit, you would run over us. You would ready us for the word that you want us to hear this morning. And everybody said, amen. amen. We're going to sing a new song this morning. Uh, you have the lyrics. It's uh, pretty much, I love the songs that come right out of the word. This is Psalm 34, Taste and See. And the words are amazing. I want you guys to step into this one and just sing it with us. And what's so great about this one is it, it says, 
basically, fear the Lord, all you saints. He'll give you everything. He'll give you everything. And that doesn't mean he's going to give you stuff. It means he'll give you everything you need for this journey. He'll equip us. He'll bless us. He'll gift us everything that we need, completely sustained through and through. We're completely satisfied and content in what he's given us. So let's step into that. We've already said that we will surrender. So let's, let's do that in this song. Amen. Amen. And I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and delivered me from every fear. Those who look on him are radiant, they'll never be ashamed. They'll never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard me and saved me from my enemies. The Son of God surrounds his saints. He will deliver them, He will deliver them. Magnify the Lord with me. Come exalt His name together. Come exalt his name forever. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, blessed is he who hides in him. Oh, feel the Lord. Oh, He'll give you everything. He'll give you everything. Oh, magnify. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Come exalt his name together. Glorify the Lord with me. Come exalt his name. Come exalt. Lift up his name forever. Oh Lord, we lift up your name this morning. We bless your holy name this morning. Let our incense rise as prayers to you this morning. Let us bless the Lord. Every day and night, never-ending praise. May our incense rise. Let us bless the Lord. Come on. Every day and night, never-ending praise. May our incense rise. Let us bless. Lift up, 
his name for it. Magnify, Lord, sing it out. Magnify the Lord with me. Come exalt his name together. Come exalt his name for it. How about just the voices? Magnify the Lord's name. Come exalt his name for Oh 
you overcomers, please sit down. It's really good to see you. I mean, really good to see you. You realize there's a global pandemic going on? And yet you got up and came to church. Good for you. And uh, I was thinking about it during worship that my parents' generation, they had something, World War II, which was much more deadly, but um, the whole world was involved in it. In some way, shape, or form, the whole world agreeing, disagreeing, all the problems that we know about uh, regarding the pandemic, all the different opinions, we're in this together. And uh, how many of you know the Lord was surprised by the virus? Brad, did he get surprised? It caught him off guard. He actually knew. How many of you know that the Lord was surprised by people's reaction to the virus? Ooh, he didn't know that either. How many... Uh, how many here have it all figured out? Well, how does that work? Because I've met a number of you, a number of people that seem to have it all figured out. We're on a journey of faith, and we do the best we can with the light we have at the time we have. And um, if a hair doesn't fall to the ground without your father knowing it, how much more is he aware of everything that goes on in our lives. So it's great to be here today. It's uh, 
gave Bill Malsted the day off. It's his birthday, so he's out of town today. But he's, he's one of my favorite people and probably one of your favorite people. He's always doing stuff behind the scenes. But Bill, wherever you are, bless you on this day. Um, I have been talking about the Beatitudes, and this, this was the first real series of sermons that sermons and ideas that Jesus ex expressed after coming out of the wilderness. He did a little bit of teaching here and there. He was healing people. But Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is considered the constitution for Christians. If you want to know how to behave or how to live, it's in there somewhere. And it starts with the Beatitudes because he's saying essentially that blessedness has nothing to do with your income, your status, your education, your family, or your heritage, that real blessedness is separate from all of those things because all of those things go up and down in a graph in life. Is there anybody here that's had a life that the graph has just been steady all the way? Every day you wake up, it's always good, always the same. No, every day we face different issues. So the Beatitudes are about transformation in the inner life that gives, um, that our external behavior reflects what God is doing on the inside. Most religions give you a set of values and wants your external behavior to conform to something. Jesus wants our internal behavior to conform to his standard, and out of that will come external recognition that God's working in our lives. Blessing is not tied to circumstance or emotion. And blessing is one of the greatest things you can have. Um, we used, in my tradition that I was raised in, we, we did a blessing every, every time we pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, amen. Blessing is a, is a big thing. And, you know, sort of like, if somebody sneezes this morning, you know, Gazentai or God bless you. But it's, it's a good thing. But there's also this type of blessing from God that is so, it's about your entire being is blessed. You parents that love your kids so much, you do anything for them, your love's like a piece of sand in an hourglass compared to the love that God has for you. God loves you far more than you can comprehend or understand. That goes for all of us. As I've said many times when I used to put my kids to bed, I said, why do I love you so much? And they said, you just do. Why does God love you so much? I don't know. But he said, I just do. Why does he love that person? That's an unlovable person. But uh, in our book, but thank goodness it's not our book. It's his book. So this, is a, this blessing from God is an affirmation. And he's telling these people, they're sitting down, and these are Jews' um, disciples. They've heard him. They were at the, some of them were at the marriage of, um, at Cana of Galilee. Some of them had seen healings. And they, they, um, he had been to the temple in another gospel and spoken out of Isaiah 61. So they, they have an orientation towards him. And a normal Jew would expect him to say certain things but as a rabbi, but everything he says is opposite. Because remember the rich young ruler when um, he sends him away, he says, who can be saved? Because to a Jew at that time, if you had financial blessing, that means you had God's blessing. And that's true. Financial blessing can be part of God's blessing but it's not in and of itself a recognition of financial blessing, of blessing of God. So we want to really dig into this and let our hearts be open to the fact that blessedness is about right posture of heart and actions. And the first beatitude, as I said last week, was blessed are the poor in spirit. These are people who are not arrogant. These are people who are willing, have an openness to God and to man. These are people, you know, before, um, with humility comes grace. 
And God tells us to humble ourselves or we'll be humbled. So a poor in spirit person is a person who is humble, which is counterintuitive to our natural understanding. But it's the fountainhead of grace for all that we do. When I pick up the, when I watch, uh, read a paper or the news or anything, I don't see a lot of humility. Do you? I mean, it is a powerful anger and frustration in people. I don't see people thinking that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. It's like they made themselves. It's like they got here and they made themselves. It's like uh, Psalm 14 says, a fool has said in his heart, there is no God. So they're being foolish. That doesn't put us in a position to be judgmental towards them. It puts us in a position to intercede for them and intercede so that they would too come to know the Lord. How many of you uh, find yourself interceding intensely for the new president? Not intensely. <laughs> you know why? Because he's not going to get our prayers. I'm mad. I didn't vote for him. Why should he get? I hope he has. Did you know when, he, when that was told us, Nero was the emperor. Nero used to take babies and throw them off a cliff. He was, a, he was as vile as anybody could be. Intercession is not circumstantial either. Now, when I'm saying this, this should show us where my and our attitude is. We won't bend. So you think, well, oh, the Beatitudes, I've got that one down. No, we don't. Poor in spirit. And then he says, blessed are those who mourn. That's for my sins and for your sins. And again, he didn't say the eternal optimists or the positive thinkers are the ones who will be comforted, but the ones who mourn. The third one that we went over last week is blessed are the meek, or again, that's gentle, uh, for they'll inherit the earth. It's not the prominent or the well-positioned. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. Of all the counseling I've done over all the years, if I could just get somebody to literally just leave the room and go and sit down and talk to Jesus and honestly open their heart to him and not try to fix the problem, you'd be amazed what God can do in two minutes what it takes a psychotherapist 20 years. God can do so much if we allow God to be God, to be, and he's gentle. I want to read uh, out of Psalm 2 because I know many of us are can be nervous about what's going on. There's a lot of isms out there. And I want to say about the isms. The isms are the communism, the fascism, the capitalism, the socialism, the, all the um, whatever else. Give me another ism. Throw me one out there. Nationalism. What's another one? Relativism. Very good. Gold star right there. Huh? Materialism. There's all these isms. Materialism, a guy named Frederick Engels thought that material is all life is about. And the man was motivated by material gain. And then Marx came along and said idealism is what it's about. It's the ideas people have, and that's what shapes history. And then Lenin came along as a, as a disciple of Marx and then torched Russia and then his sort of disciple, Stalin, was responsible for 30 million deaths. And after World War II, another communist named Mao Zedong took out estimates up to 60 million people killed because might makes right. Their ism, you either agree with that ism or... I will use violence. And this is what fascism is. Adolf Hitler, the same thing. So the question is, where is Adolf Hitler today? He's dead. How about Lenin? Stalin? Mao? Dead, 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 dead. 
It's appointed for a man to live once and then comes judgment. Now their ideas get picked up by people and they go on and they, they, ideas can have serious consequences. In Psalm 2 he says, Why are the nations in an uproar and the peoples devising vain things? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed saying, let us tear their fetters apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. With all the upheaval in the world, do you honestly think the Lord is the slightest bit nervous about what's going on? One iota, he's got this thing figured out. We don't. And it causes us to walk by faith. Then he will speak to them in his anger and terrify them in his fury. But as for me, I have installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. I will surely tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. As of me, I will surely give the nations as your inheritance and the very ends of the earth as your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall shatter them like earthenware. He who is meek and humble of heart, the nations will be his inheritance. And the word nations there means ethnos, ethnicity. It's interesting that so much going on in our culture is about race, you know, and there's so much um, walking on eggshells and fear and everything. And yet that's one of the things, all the races are his. He's going to pull it all together. Please raise your hand if you know how he's going to do it. Mark, got it figured out? No, I, he said not yet. You need to go back to bless your, that's that arrogant one I was talking about. Okay, so let's, let's keep moving on today. But the next one is, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. I would say, Brad, that's something that you do in what you feel called to and um, protecting people within the rights of this country and that's what but it's hungry it's wanting to get right judgments for those that are receiving things that aren't correct under the law and when you hunger and thirst for it it says you'll be satisfied when you want to see the widow and the orphan taken care of you will be satisfied but if my life is just about me being satisfied I'm not satisfied People have said to me, "Some I just want to take care of myself for a change. That won't preach. It doesn't work. Why do you think you say that? Because you feel victimized and all. No, the best way to get out of the funk is to do something for someone else. You all know that. Meekness is not weakness. And they will inherit the earth. The hunger and thirst they shall be satisfied. As, I mean, as we look at the news, so many are hoping for one of these new ideas, one of these new policies, one of these old policies to bring peace on earth and goodwill towards men. We've always had this. We've always had wars and rumors of wars. We've always had pestilence. We've always had uh, people looking out for number one. But the church is salt and light. And where it is today... All over the earth, there's, I don't know, two billion, depending on your count. I don't know the last time you were really, really thirsty. I mean, so thirsty that your mouth was parched. And, I mean, you, were, you weren't in um, hypothermia, but you were so thirsty, you had to get some liquid. And when that liquid get in, it was like, ah, it's like... 25 snow cones at once. It's, it's great. It's, it's going in and, oh, can we hunger? Could we hunger for righteousness that way? The problem Christians have is they get mean with their self-righteousness about righteousness. Right? They start tearing people down and they start doing this. And then people said, you don't get it. I'm right. They said, well, you even if you're right, I would never want to be like you. So it's always working on the inside for the outside. If you read the Gospels, you'll see that Jesus didn't mince words with the Pharisees or the Sadducees. 
or the Jews or the Gentiles, but he was had a way of being able to communicate with them that was blessed. Blessed are the merciful, so they shall receive mercy. Mercy is not avoiding conflict. Some of us will, some of us just hate. Go ahead and say it. I hate conflict. I will do anything to avoid conflict. You'll pay big money to an attorney so he can do it for you, or you'll pay money to a counselor, anybody that will do your job for you, but conflict is here to stay. It's the redemptive working through of conflict that so few have that ability or will be exercised in that. Because when I talk to you, you, got, you have conflict at work, you have conflict at home, you have conflict in the church, you have conflict in the community, there may be conflict in the neighborhood, guy put a tree up and ruined your view. Yeah, cut it down. Cut that sucker down. I can hear the chainsaw at midnight going. Mercy's not about being well-liked or appearing gracious. How many times have people, oh, that's okay, no problem. Don't worry about it. Then they're driving home talking to their spouse. I, don't, I can't believe the nerve, the nerve of that person to do that. It was a short circuit on the mercy thing. Rendering judge, it's, um, and it's not rendering judgment when it's deserved. Mercy is actually you extending um, kindness uh, when judgment is deserved. In other words, judgment is what we deserve. Mercy is what we don't deserve. So when I bless people with mercy, they don't deserve mercy. But when God blesses me with mercy, I don't deserve mercy. King David said this in Psalm 23, surely goodness and what? Mercy shall follow me all the days of his life. And you can see many instances of David operating in mercy in his life. I wrote this question down. If we're not merciful, should we expect mercy? Mercy is the power to triumph over judgment. Last week I shared about Leroy's letter, and I'm going to share it again, only half of it, but he was talking about, in a sense, his need for mercy and forgiveness, and he said this was his New Year's resolution. A conscious decision must be made to live in the resentment-free environment I fully realize I will be exposed to abuse of other people and can give excuse for my anger and resentment. That is life. Say that with me. That's life. I'll say it like Dean Martin. That's life. <laughs> the major obstacle to my spiritual growth is actually dun -dun 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 -dun, me. It's no secret that the most significant stumbling block we must overcome to become better people is our own attitude, our own thoughts, and our own feelings. We never fully control all the circumstances in our life, but we do have the ability, with God's help, to choose our responses to any of the problems that face us. I have a chance to respond with humility, or I can respond with anger. I am justified in my judgment of someone else, or I can choose to use mercy. And mercy might cost me something. Blessed is the servant who loves his brother so much when he is sick and useless as when he is well and can be of service to him. And blessed is he who loves his brother as well when he is afar off and when he is, than when he is by his side and who would, say nothing, uh, who would say nothing behind his back and might not in love, that he might not in love say before his face. That was Francis of Assisi. Ephesians 2, 4 says, God being rich in mercy. Mercy is blessing others with compassion and forgiveness. 
Justice is giving them what they deserve. I believe in justice. And I believe we, are, we serve a God of justice. And there's a balance in it. But I'm focusing on the mercy side. Mercy is giving what someone else does not deserve. It's not blind loyalty. But out of your commitment to the Lord, it is extending something to them that pleases him. The next beatitude, number five, is blessed are the pure in heart or the sincere, for they shall see God. Further in Matthew, it says, where your treasure is, is where your heart will be also. Follow your heart and you'll find your treasure. What is it that's moving you right now? Why are you making the decisions you're making right now? Why do you do what you do? It's your heart. You're following your heart. And then the question is, are we pure in heart? Now, pure in heart does not mean you have a perfect heart. It doesn't mean none of us are perfect. But it does mean that we have integrity in this thing, our walk before God, that it matters what we do and don't do. It's called the pearl of great price, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. God will speak to us in dreams, visions, relationships, through his word and through experiences, but the pure in heart will see God or will perceive God in a much deeper way. 1 Timothy 1.5 says, The goal, the telos, the telescope of our instruction is love from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. Pure heart's a big deal. And please don't misunderstand me. I recognize my heart is not always pure. I recognize we all have attitudes and not everybody has their A game all the time. Few of you do, but not many. But a pure heart is like the Lord's got you. You're going to bow the knee in whatever you're in. You're going, he, you're going to see God in the middle of the whole thing. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. There is no life in a religious performance. And so many Christians can be doing a religious dance, a performance to produce certain outcomes, but God's looking for the pure in heart. And remember, if these other things are in place, your external behavior is pleasing to people too. But we'll skip the heart sometimes and go to external behavior which gets the approval of the denomination or the pastor or the people in your home group or the people you know. And we skipped the pure heart. Religious performance at best produces insincere prayers which only go to the ceiling. When you see someone performing, it's really sad. How many have ever seen that? I've seen it and it, it's just... I want to run, not walk from it. We're not to be performers. Shakespeare said the whole world's a stage, right? But we're not to perform in this life. Like, it doesn't mean you, you throw away manners and you don't care in the way you communicate, but to spend our life trying to impress or be what other people think we should be and skip that heart issue with God is tragic if we do that. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. What a blessing it is to be adopted into this family, Abba Father. In Psalms it says, I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. Peacemakers are not peace at all costs. Peace at all costs is capitulation, and it does not bring peace. When you're in a conflict with your spouse, for example, in order to avoid further conflict, you go to peace at all costs. Just let it go. I don't want to do this anymore. Where does it go? Does it magically disappear? It stays there until you hit that same nerve about five minutes later. And it escalates. So it's so important that we bring peace into our homes, our churches, um, our relationships. Can I get an amen? I'm not talking platitudes. I'm talking a work of the Holy Spirit in our life. And the last one is, 
Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely on account of me. That's a big one. Make sure that's in what you're doing. I've been at this long enough to see Christians persecuted not on account of him, but on account of them because of the way they're behaving. You've seen these terrible signs about God hates this and God hates that and people representing God a certain way that doesn't represent him at all. Rejoice and be glad for your reward in heaven is great for they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus' words contradict the world's understanding of blessedness and reward. There's not a single beatitude that has to do with how much money, status, or anything else. Blessedness is timeless. It's not tied to materialism. He knows our weaknesses in the midst of all of this, and he'll never leave you or forsake you. The only person who can transform you and I in Jesus Christ is the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit doesn't do it, there's nothing to it. Say it with me. If the Holy Spirit doesn't do it, there's nothing to it. Please don't allow yourself to get on a self-improvement program that you can climb that mountain to be gentle and kind and all that. It's almost, it's good to have that in your heart as an aim, but, but realize it's God from the inside working in you that gives you that desire to go after those things. Amen is right. Finally, I'll, I'll close with some thoughts. It says in Jeremiah 12, 5, if you are slack in the day of d distress, your strength is limited. So I would say in, at some measure, this is a day of distress to greater or lesser degrees on, in your life. But he says, if you're slack, if you're, if you're half-stepping, if you're, if you're not got this part down, he says, how will you do in the thicket of the Jordan? And I thought, did I sign up for the thicket of the Jordan? Do you realize how we handle this has a lot to do with how we handle that? And we're not to be like just anybody else. We're to find God's grace and strength in the middle of it all. Amen. Poor in spirit those who mourn, the meek. Satisfaction is a byproduct, not a goal. Mercy, receive mercy. Pure in heart, not perfect, but clear. Peacemakers. It's like God says, that a boy. I feel like anytime I put myself in a difficult situation for peacemaking, there's hardly anything I feel God's more pleased with. And finally, being persecuted, your reward is great. I want to close with this thought. President Trump gave a lot of presidential pardons. How many of you know that? How many of you know some people were upset with those presidential pardons? Raise your hand if you know he was upset. Okay. And, um, you know why they were upset? Because they were evaluating the pardon. This guy doesn't deserve it. He killed someone, or he was a bank robber, or he did drugs. Now, I got a pardon from God. Are you upset about that? How bad was I? I was bad. I don't know how bad I can. I don't know. Maybe afterwards we can compare. I was badder than you, Brad. I was so bad, I still think I'm bad. Right? He, dead. Kevin, dead. Dead, dead, dead in his trespasses and sins. Lost. Lost. And he says, come here, I got a pardon for you. But I'm not worthy of a pardon. That's what a pardon is. You're not worthy. 
You didn't earn it. By grace, you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. I'm not complaining because God forgave you. And we shouldn't complain when God forgives other people. And yet, we are also co-laboring with him in this thing called our walk. Co-laboring with God. So, presidential pardons are limited. And people's thinking is they're tied to worthiness. A Christian pardon is unlimited as far as the East is from the West. If you've been forgiven by God, you have been forgiven indeed. When we come to the table, Pat, you can come up. When we, uh, and the cohort, and the band, the worship team. I don't want to call them the band. It's too secular, you know. Does the, band, does the worship team have a name? Think of a name for them, would you? You saved me a lot of words. <clears throat> okay, we're, gonna, we're going to have communion, and um, it's at this table, and we have over here, and Dave did something different. He put the bread in a cup and the wine's in another cup, so you need two cups. Can you say that with me? Two cups, okay, we got it. And we're doing this um, to be sensitive to COVID restrictions and things like that. So when you have communion, this has not been touched or mangled or any of that sort of thing. Um, I want to close with reading this scripture, and then I'm just going to have Pat play. It begins uh, in verse 52, and Jesus is talking to them about who he is, and he had told them that he's the bread of life. And he says, the Jews began to argue with one another, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my, the blood is true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who eats me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from out of heaven, and not as the fathers uh, ate and died, but he who eats this bread will live forever. These things he said to them in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a difficult statement. There are many difficult statements in following Christ. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, conscious that his, disciple, that his disciples, not just anybody, grumbled at this, said to them, does this cause you to stumble? What then if I see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit in our life. And there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said to him, them, for this reason I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him from the Father. So as a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. Is that you? Is that me? Are we in that, are we the other part here where he says, he turns and he says, you don't want to go also, do you? Simon answered and said, Lord, to where do we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have believed and have come to know you are the Holy One of God. And Jesus answered, did not myself choose you, the twelve, and yet one of you is a devil? Now he meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he was the one of the twelve. He knew one of the twelve was going to betray him. Let's stand.
Christians all through the last two millennia have fought wars over those words, over what communion means, what the literal interpretation of eat his flesh and drink his blood. Everybody wants a clear, precise answer. Yet the Bible has a lot to say about mystery, the mystery of salvation, the mystery of iniquity, the mystery of the Holy Spirit. And there's a mystery, but I know this. He said, do this in remembrance of me. And as often as you do this, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So as you have take the bread and the wine this morning, may it be healing to you. May, the, may Christ's presence be with you. May this be a recalibration of that he's God and you're not and I'm not. And let's do it together as the body of Christ this morning. So if we could just have people from this end go and uh, we'll wait and we'll eat at the end together. So go ahead and get the elements, please. Over here and over here. So Jesus, the night of the Last Supper, he took bread and he blessed it and he broke it. And he said, this is my body given for you. As often as you eat it, do it in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took a, the cup of the new covenant, the blood shed for you and I for the forgiveness of sins. As often as you eat and drink of the blood of Christ, do this in memory of him. For his death is your life. The reason he could pardon me is because he took the judgment that I deserved. It's a pretty good deal for me, and it's a pretty good deal for you. Let's eat and drink. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your body, Lord. Thank you for your blood. I was thinking earlier as we sang overcame, I just got that passage that talks about the seed that falls on the path and the seed that falls in the rocks. And um, 
how there's so many things that could snatch away the, the seed. And it's amazing. I mean, if you're here and your heart is for the Lord, he has overcome all of those obstacles in your life. It's pretty, pretty cool. I think we take that for granted sometimes, that there are so many things that would come against us. The enemy, in so many ways, would love to come against us and snatch the power of the Holy Spirit and just the seed that's been planted in us. And it's just his goodness that's overcome all of those obstacles, all those threats that threaten to steal that. And we see it in people we know, so I'm thankful to be standing here as a worshiper today. Your goodness is running out. 
Now I got it. Ethan's going to pray a benediction. So, um, Ethan Kelly, fine young man, just pray and would you, you get to bless us. However you do that, just bless us. We need it big time. <laughs> Dear Heavenly Father, um, I pray that you can just put your hand over us this morning um, and that we really heed this lesson, Lord, about you, Lord, and that we just fix our eyes on you. Um, as we go about these days, Lord, <clears throat> Lord, <laughs> I pray that you can just keep us safe um, and that we just remain faithful in you. Um, in Jesus' name, amen. 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 God bless you. Have a great week.